glad to be preaching this morning. Uh, for those who are visiting today, uh, just I guess give you a heads up that I'm not the lead or senior pastor here, so I'm normally not uh, up here preaching on Sunday mornings. Uh, our senior pastor Rex, he's out on vacation. I think he'll be getting back the next day or so. And so uh, he asked me to have the opportunity to uh, preach. Um, for those who do not know me, my name is Paul Porter. I am the uh, youth pastor here at True North Church. And I, I'm really excited to uh, preach this morning, not just because I get to preach, but also we're actually starting a brand new uh, sermon series that will go on for the next few weeks, maybe even the next few months, depending on how far we go. And, and the sermon series is called Adventures in the Bible. A journey through God's story, and so uh, for the next several weeks, like I said, we're gonna we're actually going to each Sunday preach a story from the Bible. And I know I think uh, what was it a few weeks ago? Maybe things, there was a survey sent out, and one of the questions was, um, "Hey, is there a Bible story that you would like to hear?" And that sort of generated a lot of uh, answers and comments, and and so we felt compelled to preach a series about Bible stories. Um, now, some of you might be asking, maybe those who have been in the church for a long time or maybe a little bit older, you might be saying, well, hold on here. I mean, last time I checked, we're in a big church now. You know, I graduated from Awana and Kids Church a long, long time ago, so why are we going to take the time to go through these Bible stories? And, uh, and I would say, honestly, I just believe there are truly um, plenty of good reasons to read, understand, and preach these Bible stories regardless of one's age, uh, one's amount of knowledge, or even degree of faith. And, uh, and so uh, I was actually want to start off with a personal story leading into sort of, I guess, the reasons for preaching a series. And so a few years ago, I actually used to work at a Christian store in Texas. Uh, one of those Lifeway Christian stores. I think they're all online now, so I think there's no more physical stores. But I used to work in one of these stores, and of course my job had different kinds of tasks, you know, like inventory, stocking shelves, cleaning the bathroom, checking out people, all that kind of stuff. Um, but one of my favorite parts of my job was helping customers choose a Bible. You know, if you're a Christian and we're like, hey, you know, uh, the, the scriptures are very dear and important to us. And so when a customer would come in, um, they would actually uh, want to choose a Bible. But specifically the little kids. I got really excited when a little kid come inside and, you know, maybe a mom with her um, son would come in. And they're like, well, my son and, and like next week he's going to have a birthday and we want to get him a, a kid's Bible that will last him several years until he's a teenager. Then we'll give him a teenage Bible. And so I got really excited. And so... So, so all right, we're, let's go dive in this process of getting your son a Bible. And so I'm talking to the mom and say, well, here's different translations. And then here's, um, here's a devotional content inside the Bible. Here's the colors and maybe even activities that are associated with it. So I'm talking to the mother there. And then I talk to the, to the boy and I'm like, well, what color do you want? Do you want red or do you want blue or do you want the lion or the tiger? And so we go through this whole process. And at the end, if they found one that I really liked, when we would... Basically, uh, they would check out the Bible, and, like, oh, and the kid would be so excited. He would be ecstatic, usually. They're like, yes, I got my, this is my Bible. And you might even see a little kid might actually hug the Bible sometimes. Like, this is mine. I get to read it, and I'm so excited to get inside of it. And so I tell this uh, personal story um, to sort of just say one of our main hopes of 
this series is that you regain your child likeness for reading the Bible. And in fact, these stories can be quite interesting if you actually take the time to read these Bible stories. And then furthermore, these Bible stories contain timeless truths from the past that actually have 100% relevance for our modern times today, especially for the people of God. Now finally, I would say that these stories actually help us understand the heritage of our faith, or we can say the history of our faith and where it came from. So there have been many people who took the time and actually made the point to preserve the highlights of God's activity in the world in order to pass them on to future generations. And in fact, that's one of our callings as, as a Christian is to make disciples, which are basically saying, pass the truth on to the next generation. And so, and it also includes these Bible stories. And so I would say we are truly indebted indebted to many heroes of the faith so that we can have the honor and privilege to have these stories in front of us today. Uh, Now, I really do hope that we can truly appreciate these stories for what they are and what they meant to the people of God from generations in the past. Now, before I actually preach on the specific story I'm going to preach on today, I sort of want to preface it with an item of caution here. So when listening to these sermons we in reading these Bible stories, we need to avoid two extremes here. And so the first extreme we need to avoid is just ignoring these sermons or not paying attention to these Bible stories or just not viewing them as important for the Christian life because these sermons are about, quote-unquote, stories. Now, throughout the series, when we use the words like story or narrative, what we do not mean is fairy tales, mythologies, or made-up nonsense. Now, the other extreme we need to avoid is reading these stories like a modern history textbook. When writing these stories, the people of God wanted to tell others uh, what was happening in the real world, but also share these events that happened in a way in which a person would want to listen to them, would want to learn, but also tell and share others as well. And so the people of God had absolutely no problem telling truth about the God that they worshipped in a way that was way more exciting than a class textbook. And in fact, on the screen, uh, there's a, a book that I've read, um, Robert Alter Rex's book, The Art of Biblical Literature, which if you're in the details and stuff, it actually is really good to sort of explain how did some of these stories and the literature and the narratives, how do they come together and why they're written, how they're composed. And so if you want to reference that, it's a really good uh, piece of literature to read. But with that being said, the point is that I really do hope that we avoid the two extremes that I just said and that we can truly appreciate the creativity, the theology, as well as the sacred history of these Bible stories. So let's actually begin our journey today. So if you do happen to have your Bibles, go and turn to Genesis chapter 1. And as you're turning there, like I said, I was asked to have the opportunity to preach. Um, And he's like, well, pick a Bible story that you would like to preach about. And I was like, well, of all the stories, the one that I have been the most interested in 
um, throughout my life and also something I've actually really studied intently is actually the creation story. And, and so uh, as a kid growing up, um, I wasn't raised up in the church, even though I did go maybe on and off uh, as a teenager and stuff. But one of the stories that uh, I do remember from my childhood and was very interested in was the creation story. And I believe, I think my, uh, my mom is actually watching this morning from Texas, so she could probably attest and say, yep, I probably uh, told you the story multiple times as a little kid. So uh, thank you, Mom and Dad, for that. Um, but, but as a kid, I was always very interested with creation things about it. I'll, uh, I guess I'll just say it in short. I probably watched a lot more Discovery and Animal Planet than I did cartoons as a kid growing up. So I always had questions about things out in the world, animals, uh, plants, animal uh, creation, that kind of stuff. And so this story always intrigued me. But also as well, um, as I became a Christian uh, when I was 18... And then a few years ago, I was had to do a, a basically a paper project I had to for uh, academic class, and I actually did a, my research project on the creation story. So, so to this day, I'm still amazed by the story. So, when I was excited to say, "Hey, I get to pick a story. Well, let's pick this story. I love the story, and let's preach about it." But I will say, starting off, I'm actually going to just read the creation story, and then I'll hit the actual uh, uh, pastoral preaching points. From the story, so bear with me. So, starting in verse one, Genesis one one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, Let there be space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called this space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, Let the waters beneath the sky flow together in one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed bearing plant, and trees that grow seed bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants, and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, 
marking the fourth day. Then God said, let the water swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every little thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind. Livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked all over all the made and saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. And then the first few verses in chapter 2. So the creation of the heavens and earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and earth. And before I guess I dive into the, I guess, sermon portion of our worship in the scriptures today, uh, I guess I'll just simply say there are so many little details and things I wish I could go with you because I love the story. I've parsed it all the way down to the details. But what I want to do today is actually point out three big truths that we need to believe in, especially the people of God. We have to have, we have to believe in certain things that are actually true about who God is, creation, and then where our role is within the creation. So we're going to go through three big truths. Yes, there's a bunch I could go through. If you want to talk to me about that, ask questions, be glad to do that personally at another time. But we're going to focus on three big truths. And so, um, but the reality is every culture and people, group of people in the history of humanity have had, you could say, a so-called creation or you could say an origin story. So what is an origin story? An origin story is a narrative that attempts to answer big questions like, 
where do I come from? How did it, all of this come to be? And why are we here? The answers to these questions are vital because they shape our worldview or our beliefs about the world around us. In general, there are two possible answers. And, uh, and these two possible answers are it's either one or the other. It's like either someone caused everything or no one did. And whichever belief that you have in your heart will dictate much of your life. So is the answer someone or no one? Now, the first big truth everyone needs to believe in that we get from the creation story is this. God is responsible for why the universe exists. So in the beginning, God chose to create all things, the physical and non-physical. So when we look outside, we believe that there is this appearance of design, order, and beauty in physical nature. Now, if this design, order, and beauty is not just appearance, but it's actually there, it's actually true, then it seems that a someone who designs, orders, and makes things beautiful is a way better explanation than a no one. And in fact, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 brings this um, argument and says, look, look at the creation, look outside. When you see creation, you see the invisible attributes of God, meaning there, there's a creator. If he creates, then there's, there, then that tells us things about who God is. And so regardless of how Christians interpret or understand the details and the minutia of the creation story that we just read together, the scriptures clearly teach this truth that God is responsible for creation in some way. We could argue time, we could argue method, we could argue process. It's not relevant in this specific big point is that God is responsible for creation, is clearly taught. And in fact, even that, even the understanding of um, this specific understanding from the Hebrews and Israelites, they actually, in the Hebrew, the word that we translate create is bara. But bara was only used in which is the action of God. So uh, there are other words for make or fashion or form that they use for people. But when we're talking, when it's, anytime they use the word bara, it was always an action in which only God can do. So God can bara, Moses can't. David couldn't. None of the prophets could. I can't barah because it's an action that is specifically from the hands of God himself. And so his actions and his creativity. Now, the second big truth that everyone needs to believe in that we get from the creation story towards the end is this. We are created in God's image. And what's interesting is that I know we read this whole big story, but this whole story is talking about a the climax of the story. We get to day six, where the end of day six, God creates humanity, he creates us. And so we go through the whole story to see the details and this progress. And then boom, we see that, hey, God used, used us. We were the creation. We're the climax of his creation. But with that being said, we, we actually can make these observations in the creation story and also in the living experience of our life. 
that we are similar to animals in the sense that we have flesh, bones, blood, a biology. However, we also know that we're different and distinct from animals as well. But in this creation story, they actually tell us, the creation story tells us this difference. And this difference is a big difference. And that difference is, is that we are created in the image of God. And so we also see that throughout the rest of Scripture, not just here in the creation story, that uh, being created in the image of God is actually something that's only talked about for humans. Nowhere in the Scriptures does it say that angels were created in the image of God. Just a little interesting note there. But you might be asking at this point, okay, but what does the image of God mean? What does that mean? So in short, it means that we have a special calling that has been given to us, or you could say placed on us, to us humans and only us humans. And this calling is simple. And this calling is to represent God here on earth. That is our calling. God did not give this calling to rocks, did not give this calling to the waters, did not give this calling to animals. This calling is given to humanity and only humanity, according to the story here. But God not only created us humans, but also desires a personal relationship with us. And God wants to be so, so intimate and personal with us that God gives us a lifetime calling to represent him with our lives. And to give you, I guess, a, a picture, an image Sort of how this, I guess, how this makes sense of it. So, um, one of my Discovery Channel shows I used to watch, uh, I think it was called like uh, How It's Made. And I don't know if they show these shows anymore, but How It's Made. And so, one of these episodes was How to Make a Baseball. Of course, me being a former baseball player, I'm like, ooh, I definitely got to watch this one, got to save it or Tebow it, whatever. Um, but I, so, I remember watching it. And so, they go through the whole process of how to make this baseball. But just think about any item. doesn't matter. It could be more than just a baseball. It could be an appliance. It could be a, a car. But think about it. When, when it's put together, there is specific purposes in mind. So for the baseball, when you're putting together the baseball, it's made for the intent to play baseball. Whether it's on a game or at home, playing catch. But the point of making that baseball is to play baseball. But in the same way, we humans were made with specific purposes in mind. Now, you may be asking, what does it really mean to represent God, and how do we go about it? And this leads in to our third big truth for this morning. And this third and final big truth that everyone needs to believe in is that we are created to spread God's glory throughout the earth. And the reality is we were not created for ourselves. And sometimes this is a very, very hard truth to actually believe in. Like we might understand it in our minds, but we actually do not really believe it in our hearts. Because we see things only through our lens. I can't see life through someone else's lens. I can try to sympathize or empathize, but I see everything through my lens. And the instinct is this, is to basically put ourselves at the center of the universe. 
And that is just patently false. I mean, it's not like the universe, hey, this is my universe and I'm the boss of it. No, that's, that's not true. That's patently false. We were not created for ourselves. And we need to understand is that God created us with a much bigger life story in mind. And now, I guess just to bring a little bit of, uh, I guess, uh, why, does this, why is this relevant for us today? If you actually go back and actually read the different creation stories of all the cultures that surrounded the people of God back then, almost all the stories actually start off with the humans and say, hey, here's us humans. We're up in front and ready to center and ready to go. And in fact, most of these stories didn't talk much about the animals or the plants or things of creation. They pretty much just talked about humans and the gods. Pretty much it. So you see that there is this man-made mindset to think a certain way. And we actually fall captive to that. So in the same way as these cultures that surrounded the people God back then had different origin stories about, hey, where did we come from? Why are we here? How did all this come to be? The same thing still applies today. Where you think about it, there are different religions, there are different people groups that have their own origin stories. And I know in our culture, one of the biggest origin stories is, hey, there, there probably is no God, and all this is probably accident. But what are the implications of that? The implications of there not being a God and saying that we're an accident. There are tons of implications and I'm not going to go into those because they're patently false. And that's why we need to actually believe these, these truths, not just understand these truths in our mind. And so going back here, so the, in verse 27, so God calls these first humans, Adam and Eve. He calls, gives them this calling, and he blesses them. And, he, and then following, he gives them this joyous command. He says, hey, y'all enjoy each other, and guess what? Make some more humans. That's a good thing, right? And so God is uh, entrusting these two humans he's created to not only um, enjoy each other, show his love, but also make more humans. That's a great thing. But even furthermore, he entrusts them this responsibility to fill the earth physically, but also, I'd say, spiritually. God wants um, not only just more humans, but he wants humans who are godly, those who pursue him, those who love him. Not only did God give us humans the gift of creation itself, but also the authority to be earthly priests, meaning we take care of the stuff that's around us. So the core function of us humans is to be good servants of God, or you can say live a life of ministry. And for those who are not familiar, ministry and service are basically the same word. Ministry just means service. You're serving. At the heart of humanity... We are to be in a relationship with God, live life representing God, and be good stewards with our lives and creation in order to spread God's glory. And I just like I said, like I said before before the worship team makes their way forward, I will just say just like I like there's so much more I could dive into the story. I could preach hours hours on details. If you've got questions. It's good to have questions. I hope that once you get home today, you reread this creation story because, man, just see the detail. See the creativity. See the intimacy that God puts into creating everything. And then just thinking about it. When I read the story and say, wow, I'm a human. I'm part of humanity. And I'm part of the climax of God's creation. 
That's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. And then to see furthermore that God, we're creating in his image. And he entrusts us. He entrusts us to do specific tasks. We have specific purposes. And like we're, supposed, we're called to spread his glory. And so if the worship team could make their way forward, I think we're going to get out a little earlier than usual. Y'all might be like, yeah, lunch, early lunch today. We'll beat everyone for lunch. But as the worship team makes their way forward, I want to review of the three truths, the three big truths we get from the story, the creation story. First one is that God is responsible for why the universe exists. Now, at the beginning of the sermon, I talked about in general, there's either someone or no one. I want to emphasize here, when we're reading the creation story, we need to have in mind, it's not just a God. It's not just any God. We're talking about the God of the scriptures, the God of the Bible, or we can simply say the Christian view of God because that is who the real God is. Secondly, we are created in the image of God. And that's very important. We're here to represent him. And then thirdly, we are created to spread God's glory throughout the earth. But I will have to say in closing, let's remember that we are created, not were created. God's creative actions are ongoing to this very moment. God is good, alive, and active. I really hope you enjoyed uh, the story and the sermon, and I hope you really appreciate the valuable truths from the story. So when you sit down to read this creation story, I hope you see the big truths about God, creation, and your own origins. If you're looking to understand what it means to be human and your relation to God and creation itself, look no further than the creation story of the Bible. Join with me in prayer. God, Father, Son, Spirit, Lord, we as we dive into the first story of all of Scripture, the creation story, I think it's very, very important for us to understand where we come from, our origins. And Lord, you are responsible for creation. You created us humans in your own image, and you've given us this calling to spread your glory throughout all the earth through our own lives. Lord, I praise you and trust us with this responsibility that we can joyfully live it out and also worship you. And I say all this in your son's name. Amen.